Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the astounding Amadea Rosa, the esteemed Eric Bontz, and the great GM Gerrymander. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Tomas, and today we're going to talk about the many settings of D&D. Before we dive into that topic, though, our get-to-know-a-gnome question is, what is your favorite role-playing game setting that is not D&D-based? Jared, I'm going to start with you. Okay, this was hard. I'm assuming that we're going for RPG settings that were designed to be game settings and not, you know, things that are ported over. So, I'm going to say this, and like a year from now, if you ask me this, it'll be different, but... For right now, I think I would say uh, the setting for 7C, the second edition version of the setting. Oh, yeah. I really like all of the swashbuckling and pirates and musketeers and things like that. But I also like that the second edition had one of its design goals was that indigenous people were not colonized. So when they would present the different parts of the world, it wasn't presenting parts of the world that had been dominated by the people from Thea. Yeah. I really need to try that out. <laughs> yeah, 7C is interesting. I've I've played it a little bit, not as much as I would like. It's one of those that's on my shelf and it's on my primary shelf, even though it's been <laughs> a couple of years since I touched it, because I keep thinking I should try and run this one. But I had a lot of fun running it when I did. Yeah, I love Swashbuckling Adventures as well. I don't know why I didn't try it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Tomas, what about you? Well, I just like um, Charles said, this is a very difficult question because I don't usually try out many settings that aren't from D&D because if I play another game, I just try something homebrew or something that comes with the, the game that isn't actually a setting mm-hmm. uh, or it helps you in some way create something. But if I had to mention one setting that I really enjoyed, at least reading, uh, was one from the RPG City of Mist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has some kind of New York vibe, but at the same time it's plagued with lots of different characters from fairy tales or maybe gods from Greece or the Norse mythology. And it's chaos everywhere. It's There's even <laughs> a Alicia in Wonderland in there. Very much taking inspiration from uh, the fables comic if you have read that mm-hmm. oh I, yeah you were you were talking about this i'm like this sounds like fable yeah it's amazing <laughs> and the setting is actually very good and the rules to create a mystery in it i do really recommend it yeah, and it's funny because you were saying you like swashbuckling so you don't know why you never did 7c city of mist is like totally the type of thing that i get into and i have i've never finish reading it or run it and it seems like something that would be my jam completely <laughs> yeah 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 same i i i can see the book right now on my <laughs> shelf across from me yeah and the art is gorgeous as well mm. yeah the art is absolutely gorgeous the book is massive mm. i got the book and was terrified because i was expecting like a digest size <laughs> yeah. book that most most games like that come in and like this book is one that will hurt you if you fall asleep <laughs> reading it in bed you know like you drop that on your face it's gonna hurt <laughs> yeah, it can be used as a weapon. <laughs> what about you, Ange? I'm actually going to break your guidelines, Jared, <laughs> and I'm going to say it's the Marvel Universe. Oh. <laughs> um, and while I know it has been published as a game and is currently be it's in 
So techno is a new game technically in beta? Yeah, that's the beta playtest version that's out right now. Oh, you yeah. mean the new game? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But in general, <laughs> just I am such a big comic book fan, specifically <laughs> of Marvel, because it's what I read as a kid in the 80s. Mm, yeah. I have enjoyed almost every game I have ever played set in the Marvel Universe. Now, like some GMs have run it a little more realistic. Some have run it a little more over the top, but any game I've played in it is something I've enjoyed because I can usually, like, even if I'm playing my own character that I've made to be in that setting, I still, like, really enjoy getting into the thick of it with that setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The best one was my friend Paul ran us a, um, it was a super, it was supposed to be a street level heroes game set in Detroit in the 1970s. Oh, something like the Defenders, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, essentially. But he, like, threw us up against Mephisto and Loki. Okay. And <laughs> we had, we had uh, the Ghost Rider show up at least once to threaten us and judge us. And, you know, but it was such a great campaign. So much fun. That's great. You know, it's funny you say that because... The Marvel Knights line was supposed to have been like a bunch of street level heroes getting together. And there was a part in that where Punisher takes on a troll from Asgard and like drops a tactical nuke on. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> comics. Yeah, comics. Yeah, it does happen. Comics. I mean, one of my favorite storylines from the X Men and New Mutants in the 80s when I read it was their interactions with Loki and Asgard. You mm -hmm. know, like, those were some great stories. Mm -hmm. So, let's get into our main topic. Okay. <laughs> this topic was actually decided on before Wizard announced Spelljammer's upcoming release and the teaser for <laughs> Dragonlance coming out later this year. Yeah. But hey, we can just say we're timely. <laughs> now, most of us have been playing D&D for a long time, and there have been many, many published settings, both from Wizards and by third parties, but we're going to stick to stuff officially published by TSR or Wizards throughout the lifespan of D&D. It's worth noting, though, that there are so many D&D settings out there, whether it's a third party or even your GM's own homebrew setting. I mean, my favorite setting is actually probably my GM Tristan's campaign <laughs> world. Anyway, let's get into this. Now, Tomas, I wanted to start with you because you are the newest player among us. Okay. What is the D&D setting you have the most experience with? Well, uh, firstly, I think I need to say this because it's me. Spellshammer confirmed! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> uh, well, now that's out of the way. The setting I like the most, uh, well, I would say that it would be my own setting as well. But if I choose a, one that I have gamed in, there's only two settings I have played. And that's the Forgotten Realms for my Waterdeep campaign and some random one-shots and Eberron for some mini-adventures. And the one I have to say that I like the most is Eberron because I just love the mixture between technology and magic and mm -hmm. all that can that it can provide. And just like I said before, I really enjoy swashbuckling adventures and Eberron is all about that. And mystery and intrigue. And there's something that you can place at every corner and make it interesting 
or different in some way that the general fantasy setting wouldn't have. What about you, Sharad? Yeah, Jared, what about what about your thought? What what would you get started with as far as settings? Oh my goodness. I mean, the very first setting I ran was technically the known world in Mistara because that's what was in the Beckme uh box sets back then, but they didn't actually call it Mistara until later, so I my I predate Mistara. Um <laughs> <laughs> I jumped from that pretty fast into Forgotten Realms though, and I I'm going to hold myself accountable and not go into 30 years worth of uh, Forgotten Realms. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where I spent a lot of my time. It's, it's funny because when I started playing, there was never any talk of what world we were in. You know, it was, we were just playing D&D and like I would occasionally hear things like Greyhawk referenced mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. at one point in time my my first gm was really hot to get us into a harn campaign but that sounded awful <laughs> it's like all the rules about how you could die from not yeah. doing things exactly right i'm like that sounds awful extremely crunchy yeah it, but we never we never really talked about where we were as far as things go and like it wasn't until I was a little older and into college that I started realizing, oh, there's a difference between Greyhawk and the Forgotten Realms. You know, these mm -hmm. two are different yeah. settings. And by that point, I had discovered some of the uh, I discovered the novels. So it's like learning that Kryn in the Dragonlance books is not the same as Greyhawk, <laughs> is not the same as all of the books from the Forgotten Realms. It was like, oh, okay. I guess there there is a little difference here. <laughs> What's interesting is um, when you talk about that, you know, not really knowing that it was a setting, just kind of like seeing names dropped here or there. The very first time I encountered anything out of the known world setting is in the expert box set, they start talking about Karameokos and uh, Specularum, the capital, but it doesn't really go into like, here are all the borders and this is the entire setting. It's kind of like a, here is a little bit of this setting, and also they named some of the other countries, like in the Isle of Dread uh, adventure that came out. But it wasn't, it was more like, here's some proper names for you to throw out, just in case you need Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> I, I think there's, I think there's something to be said for the fact that no matter what source material you're using for your setting, when you are running it, it is your setting. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very important, I think, for GMs to understand that. It's one of the reasons why I've been intimidated about running anything set in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> My friend Doug, who I love dearly, and no know he knows Jared from Candlekeep, but like <laughs> he loves the Forgotten Realms. He is very knowledgeable about the Forgotten Realms. And I always felt there was absolutely no way I could bring that <laughs> setting to the table without him knowing way more than me as a GM could ever know. I yeah. have since learned that I can fake it well enough to get around that type of stuff <laughs> or lean exactly. on the expert player for their knowledge. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you got to remember, it is it is now your setting because you have brought it to your table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the good thing about uh, my games is because I am the one that knows the most about this setting, so I can just fake it uh, till I make it. <laughs> and if I mess it in some way or form, I can just say no, because uh, something happened this way, and 
uh, it's like this in this world, just because, because mm-hmm. I decided. And now no one can really contradict me. It's my <laughs> world in a way, or, and theirs as well. It's yeah. our world. When I was running my Eberron campaign, which is the setting I have probably done the most in as a GM, I would get an idea of where they were going, and I'd do a little bit of research on the names on the map around that spot, and then I would make up a ton of stuff (laughs) to fit that into there. Like, I created this whole lost Dakani temple in the mountains above the town of Black Pit, which is at the border of Brayland and Ondare, and, like, all this (laughs) mythology that went into what this temple was, and you know, what my players were there for, and then I had to come up with all this stuff about Black Pit because, you know, like, they were complaining that the worst thing about the entire adventure were the beds at the inn in Black Pit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it's like... Well, amazing as well. Yeah, it's like, you gotta gotta kind of use the settings as guidelines. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Grab a setting and uh, use it as a template and do your own thing. Well, if you pay enough attention, uh, you'll find out that one of the newest settings, it's Andrea from Critical Role, is pretty much a clone from the Forgotten Realms with some stuff uh, that was thrown all over it. Yeah. And m- my first setting was pretty much that as well. Um, I'm now developing another setting that I'm going to use in the future, but uh, it's pretty common to grab one other setting and make it your own just by changing a bit of stuff. So I think I, think I would... The one caution I would throw in there is, like, be aware of what the tone of the setting you're picking up is. Yeah. And try and use that to help inform your game. Because, mm-hmm. like, Eberron, it's, it's like adventure and fantastic things around every corner. You can do a lot with it. But let's say you want to run Ravenloft. You don't want a lighthearted, goofy campaign set in, nah. is it Bravoria? Bravaria? Barovia. 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 <laughs> see, you can see I've yeah. never played a Ravenloft game. <laughs> kind of obvious. You don't like Tarot, don't you? <laughs> what was funny is we played Curse of Strahd with all of our characters based on Disney princesses. <laughs> which you would think would contrast with the tone, but all of us were basically leaning into how horrified we were that this world did not work the way the kingdoms we came from worked. <laughs> Like, every time we tried to make things better, we actually made things worse, and we were, like, progressively more and more horrified <laughs> that nothing we were doing was actually helping Well, hey, anyone. if you dig into the origin of those fairy tales, that's some pretty yeah. dark stuff. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. And the queen from Snow White, for example, is pretty much one that could fit in Barovia pretty well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jared? What's been your experience running... If it's obviously you have a lot of experience with the Forgotten Realms. What has been your experience with bringing published settings to the table? One of the things that I am much happier with in modern game design is that people will actually tell you the reason this setting is this way is because we want to promote this tone and we want to tell these types yeah. of stories. And that was not always as easy to suss out from some of the original campaign settings that were out there it's something that people kind of did in hindsight but at the time it would have been great if you know people were just saying i like this type of stuff so that's what's going into the setting Mm -hmm. so that's definitely been something that i like a lot more Mm -hmm. and 
it's something that happened. It's the same thing. We, we were talking about this when we were talking about license settings. I like figuring out what the tone is supposed to be because then I get that GM buzz from actually making it feel the way I think it's supposed to feel. Yeah. And that's what I really like about that. But the other thing I was going to say is part of why I started using, because I say I started with the known world, but it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to use this proper name and I'm making up all sorts of other stuff. But part of what really got me into using established worlds is also something that kind of dovetails on stu- on something that uh, Phyllis said before about prep, about being doing enough prep so that you feel comfortable and to me, this was like having enough answers about the world that you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to tell this story about this dragon and this curse and this area, but I don't necessarily want to spend, you know, two weeks fleshing out all of this other stuff. I just want to feel comfortable that there are answers if we go in that direction. You know, and that's kind of what got me into wanting to run established mm-hmm. settings. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. There's something that is pretty important, talking about, uh, continuing what you were saying, Jared, uh, is that if you are trying out your own setting and you want to establish some kind of tone to your game, for example, if you want to, at this exact moment, I'm trying to make a lich one of the villains in my game. Mm-hmm. To make that and to create a castle that that lich can live in, I just grabbed Castle Ravenloft and I'm reading it right now <laughs> uh, to get some inspiration. And there's just a ton of things I can steal from there. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, if you want to try some maybe mysteries or something like that, you can grab maybe the, one of the adventures uh, from the Forgotten Realms that uh, makes Water the Dragon Heist. It has a lot of mystery in it, or maybe mm-hmm. some other setting like Eberron that has a lot of intrigue can help you as well. Steal things from those or watch movies if you are having those settings be part of your games and want to get some inspiration as well. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things I loved about Eberron, right out of the gate when it was released for third edition back, what, 15 plus years ago now, longer, <laughs> longer. But it's a new setting, Ann. Uh, <laughs> I <feel> young. <laughs> I know. Anyway, one of the things I loved about that setting is they said right up front, if there is something in D&D that you don't see in Eberron and you want it to be in Eberron, you can find a way to make that happen. And Mm -hmm. I've really appreciated that because I actually ran my campaign in Pathfinder because that was what was in style when I started running my campaign. It's like we were were over 3.5, we were over 4th edition, 5th edition was still a few years into the future. Let's run it in Pathfinder. Part of the reason that campaign has died is because I don't want to run Pathfinder anymore. But that's another story. (laughs) Anyway, it's like I would very much like figure out about where we're going, do my research on what was information that was known from actual Eberron sources. And the Internet is great for that because you can just do a search (laughs) and find a wiki somebody has put together and. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll find a reference to a name, and I'm like, I don't know if that's an actual canon name or if that's from their campaign, but either way, I'm using it now. <laughs> and, like, if there was stuff from actual, like, other D&D settings that I wanted to pull in, we just did it. For example, my friend Jen, Pixelscapes, uh, she ran a uh, Forgotten Realms campaign, and one of her players was actually really interested in playing a Warforged. Warforged weren't actually part of the Forgotten Realms setting, but she's like, let's make it work. 
and ended up having him be an ancient Netherese construction. And there was this whole other storyline that we got into throughout the campaign of how he had been a tool of war and committed all of these atrocities and like just wanted to be a simple watchmaker, but he felt obligated to atone for his crimes. But there were all these other Warforged that were among the old Netherese creations that hadn't like awoken to their own sense of self. And that became a major plot point in the campaign for that character mm-hmm. that the rest of the party helped him with as things went along. And like, that's really cool. And she found a really great way to take this thing from Eberron and put it in the Forgotten Realms in a way that made sense. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you can do this. It's your setting now that you've brought it to your table. Mm-hmm. You touched on something else I was going to bring up, which is kind of handy. The older a setting is and the more established it is, the more now in the future, from basically from when they were originally published, you can find wikis for Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance like all over the place. You can find information that you want to look up on those. Like it is great to own the actual books and to read through them. Often, you know, they're great to read through and they look wonderful. But if you're just looking for what is in this town, I see it on the map. What is it? The older a setting is, the more likely you are to be able to just look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to add up more into the myths, uh, there's also a lot of settings that has have their own official books. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, like novels or writings that professional authors made of them. So if mm-hmm. you want some inspiration, just read from the official books. Mm-hmm. And that's everything that you may need to get something into your game and make it canon in a way. When I ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist, I had a session where I needed to get my players out of the city. I don't remember why, but like they needed like I needed to have an extra session that wasn't part of that campaign. So I had kind of their benefactor ask them to go retrieve something from the forest that's near Waterdeep. Now I can't remember the name of that forest off the top of my head, but I remember Hmm. throwing the name into Google and doing a lot of research, you know, just enough research on it that I could reasonably send these characters to that forest to find these berries that only bloomed (laughs) on a certain day once every 10 years. And like, it it was, it just ended up being this hilarious adventure because these were all city-based characters. (laughs) And like, I sent them into nature and they got nature on them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know we're all natured up <laughs> oh this is mad <laughs> you know but it was it was a hilarious change of pace and like i didn't pull up any forgotten realms book i just did wiki research you know like i had the map the maps are invaluable <laughs> make sure you have a map of your setting because those names and places mm-hmm. you can do a lot just knowing the name of a place oh yeah definitely I mean, <laughs> I actually, whenever I run a Star Wars campaign, I probably pull more from Wikipedia than uh, just about anything else. Yes. <laughs> Not to tangent away from D&D settings, but... <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where we normally stay pretty system agnostic, but mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about with D&D settings. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things I find interesting is the different, uh, historically... The way the company, and I say the company even though it has been two separate companies, 
Mm-hmm. And technically, you could make the argument that TSR was several different companies in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, they were. Oh, yeah. There was a whole history thing but, going on there. <laughs> but the way the different companies and at different periods handled settings. Like, I think for 3.0, did they, it was, was for third edition, did they make Forgotten Realms a default setting? Or they, did they have the default setting still as Greyhawk? No. Greyhawk was still the default for third okay. edition. But then they came out with the Forgotten Realms setting books, and then they came out mm-hmm. with Eberron. Eberron is an interesting study in and of itself because it was a contest. Mm-hmm. Um, there were multiple, you know, there were, I think they had people submit pitches, and then out of the pitches, they chose four of them for people to do treatments of, mm-hmm. and they basically bought the rights to all four. Treatments, in fact, Rich Burlew behind Order of the Stick, which is still a fantastic webcomic. You should read it. He was <laughs> one of the the, cho- the four chosen, mm-hmm. and he can't talk about his setting because it's still owned by, by wizards. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But Eberron is the setting that won because I think they had them do like a, like a larger treatment, and then out of the larger treatment, they chose the one yeah. they wanted to work on. I read that story. Mm-hmm. But back in the like the late eighties, nineties, they were publishing settings like crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's that's actually come up you know recently because people have been talking about okay, why why pick Spelljammer of all of these settings and what did it look like? And I actually went back through and looked at the timeline. Spelljammer, I can't, I don't know which one was first, but Spelljammer and Time of the Dragon which is the expansion to Kryn that was, you know, on the other side of the planet on Talidus. Those were like the first setting box sets that came out after second edition uh, launch. Spelljammer came out in 1989. I have my list over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and 89 was the year that uh, second edition launched. So that was pretty early on. And I looked at it and it was published for like four years. So... Even though people have talked about how well it faded, and then these other campaign centers were, second edition went on a long time, and you know that was four years worth of product that it had coming out, and the other settings that came out in its time frame, um, Dark Sun came out in in that interim, and um, Planescape was right afterwards because they basically transitioned from okay, you can travel to different worlds on ships, or you know you can Mm -hmm. just uh, travel through the. I'm not going to say the name of the city because people will then comment on this podcast. I'll say it for you. There is a city, city Come in Planescape. <laughs> Are there arguments about the pronunciation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nerds like to argue. <laughs> but I, I would also argue that Spelljammer is definitely a good setting to revisit in that it is so clear that it is different mm-hmm. than other D&D yeah. settings. Actually, you know, and it is beloved by the people who played it. Yeah, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can say that about any of the settings because even even mm-hmm. Dark Sun, which is probably the dark horse in the idea of <laughs> wizards publishing any setting, still has its advocates mm-hmm. and, and people who absolutely love it. Yeah, but I can recall Jeremy Crawford saying that they weren't planning to make a uh, Planescape yet because they had something like that in the DM's guide. And, well, they have some things about planes, but it's not that complete. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same feeling as, you know, in Planescape, you had that feeling that you were starting off in the city and then traveling to the planes, Mm -hmm. not just that the planes exist and that you can travel between them. Yeah. 
And honestly, some of my favorite locations in Planescape were all of the gate towns, the all the, the towns in uh, the Outlands that were adjacent to, like, the Outer Plains, but they weren't actually on the other Outer Plains, like Ribcage, which was the city that led to the uh, Nine Hells, but it wasn't mm-hmm. in the Nine Hells, so it was terrible, but not as terrible as the Nine Hells. <laughs> yeah. You also have the... The video game from Planescape that you can use to get some inspiration for your own mm-hmm. yeah. games on that setting. Yeah, speaking of video games, a lot of my knowledge and experience with the Forgotten Realms specifically comes from video games. Mm-hmm. I played the heck out of both Icewind Dales, out of Neverwinter, mm-hmm. uh, Neverwinter Nights, and I spent a year lost in the Neverwinter MMO. So, <laughs> wow. No Baldur's Gate? <laughs> um, so... I did not play Baldur's Gate when it came out, and when I tried to play it many years later, I got very angry at the first edition, second edition mechanics of it, and I could not beat a giant spider, so I got angry and walked away from it. (laughs) I, I, I have many angry thoughts about... First edition and second edition, because they very nearly made me never play D&D again. <laughs> yeah. They are the Dark Souls of editions, you would say. <laughs> I mean, I like I, I know those, those words are like, those are fighting words with a lot of grognards, but oh. you know, I just could not stand the game at that point in time. Speaking of, um, you know, video games and what makes settings unique, I was actually a little disappointed that um, Rime of the Frostmaiden didn't have more of those locations from the Icewind Dale video oh, games. Oh, yeah. Because there were some really neat locations in there, like the Hand of the Seldarine Tower and the Giant Tree in Kuldahar. Oh, yeah, I love the Giant Tree. Mm-hmm. And I was really kind of hoping they would rope all of that into Rime of the Frostmaiden, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but hey, you bring it to your own table, you can put that stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, you can make mm-hmm. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> we should, we've been talking for a little while, so we should probably wrap up. Tomas, what are you looking forward to with Spelljammer coming out? Well, I don't know much about Spelljammer. I just like the meme. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am really looking forward to seeing what they come up with on that whole space opera, flying on a ship, uh, battling space. Octopi, and well, I really like Manflayers as well, so I'm going to read all about it. (laughs) How about you, Jared? What are you looking forward to with the upcoming settings? As far as Spelljammer, I'm really hoping, and this is something where Second Edition kind of lost the thread a little bit later on in the setting, I want it to be you take people from a normal setting where they're used to normal fantasy and you stick them on a ship and sail them into the weirdest possible (laughs) section of space. That's what I really want out of Spelljammer, because that's what I I love the most. Like, all of a sudden, they are literally in a cosmology where planets are hanging out of trees, and, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh, how does this work? (laughs) (laughs) As far as Dragonlance, I'm really kind of excited about how they are focusing on you are going to play through the War of the Lance. They really zeroed in on saying this is kind of the core experience of where Dragonlance came from, so they wanted people not to replay the original adventures, but to play through the War of the Lance to experience 
all of this upheaval and change and things happening in Kren. And I think that's a, I think that was a good yeah. choice and I'm excited to see how they yeah, do that's it. That's an interesting one. Cause I've never, I, I loved the Dragonlance books, but I never got into the idea of playing in that world because that world belonged to the characters in the book. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of them setting it up for a way for us to bring in our own characters to be heroes in another part of that story. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else that you're particularly looking forward to in all of this um, upcoming? I'm, I'm very excited to see what they do with Spelljammer. I'm very curious about what they do that. I, though, am personally working on starting up an Eberron campaign. It's been a while, and I have told my group already that when TJ is ready to stop running Traveler or burned out from running Traveler or work is just too <laughs> crazy for him to keep running Traveler, I am going to step in and run an Eberron campaign where they are all hired in Sharn and sent to Zendrik to go on adventures in the jungle. Oh, great. That's my second aspirational thing. Now that I've gotten to run a campaign in Sharn, I really want to run one on uh, Zendrik and, you know, use all of that. Yeah. I, I, my, my first campaign bounced around Corvair. And then went mm-hmm. to Argonessen. Argon that's the dragon continent, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the dragon. That's the yeah. dragon. And then continent. went to uh <laughs> the frozen north, uh Ice White Island for some stuff. And then we kind of I mean there was a lot we did on Corvair, so this was not like, yeah, yeah, we were on Corvair and then we did these other things. No, we did a lot on Corvair. We just we never made it to Sarlona and we never made it to Zendrik. And right here I just wanted to point out, this is what I do love about established settings is we just threw out a bunch of words, and we knew what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, this show is funded by the Gnomestu Patreon. YouTube can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomestu website. Gnomestu Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Volo's Guide to Everything. That friendly non-adventurer who has been telling people about the Forgotten Realms for years gets to tell you about all the other settings out there. Volo's Guide to Eberron. Volo's Guide to Barovia. Volo's Guide to Teldore. Okay, maybe not Volo's Guide to Dark Sun, but he had to draw the line somewhere. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll like many of these other shows from Misdirected Mark. Here's one to check out. Pandas Talking Games. Queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes. Join Pandas Phil and Senda every Monday, answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing TTRPGs. Get cozy and let's talk about some games. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to give a shout out to? Jared, you go first. Um, unfortunately, I didn't look up anything other than to be completely self-serving. So <laughs> go to uh, whatdoiknowjr.com and look at all the things that I post there when I'm not posting on gnomestew. <laughs> <laughs> Tomas, what about you? Well, uh, you can find me uh, pretty much on, on Twitter most of the time at the uh, Jimenez R, I think it was. Uh, I think Rob will have it somewhere on <laughs> to, for you to find. <laughs> Hi everyone, editor Rob here. You can find Tomas on Twitter at t Jimenez R G M. That's T G I M E N E Z R G M. Or you can also find me on Tribality, where I write some articles, mostly Arcadia things or reviews. And then on the Gnomes 2, I write uh, once a month uh, some interesting article for you there. Mostly about monsters. <laughs> and what about you, Ange? 
I would like to give a shout out to the Untold Stories Project. It's a streaming network of a bunch of great live streamed RPGs. They currently have two games going on, airing live on Mondays and Tuesdays, except for this week because both GMs got sick. <laughs> the, the games are often superhero based, but they've covered a bunch of different game systems. And they have a collection of great GMs and great players that bring their stories to life. The link will be in the show notes, but it's Untold Stories Project. Awesome. Great. So, do you think we avoided the stew this week? Well, if we did, there's probably another reality where we didn't, so we're still on the menu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Never mind. Cut this, Rob. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs>